Hey, Reach Paramount, welcome to our podcast. Hey, this message continues our sermon series, Chambers, with special guest pastor Hector Briseño and the message he's entitled, A Prideful Heart. Enjoy this message. Amen, amen. Come on, can we put our hands together for my wife? Amen. Man, I appreciate her so much. She started, uh, she started going, and uh, my wife kind of took a step aside and mindful underscore nest one started coming out and uh <laughs> that is her instagram uh she is just so amazing and uh, uh maybe she'll share a little bit more in the in the second service but um uh man i'm just so honored to be back home amen to be here with you guys i know i came uh not too long ago uh at least it felt like a long time for me uh but because you guys had so many other people come up and uh, it just, it felt like a long time for me. And so I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to see some, some awesome faces of, even of my upbringing, people that poured into me. And I still, uh, I'm, I'm uh, the type of person I am today because of people like you that have invested in someone that can, um, that, that didn't think that they can do it. Amen. And so uh, because of you, uh, I, I have a little piece of, of your insight in me. And I get to be able to minister and do what God has called me to do. I believe what God has called me to do, and that's to minister uh, the Word of God. And so I appreciate you guys. I appreciate uh, Pastor Isaac and, and Pastor Liz for uh, having us here, and Pastor Omar and and and, and my, my pastors, Pastor Omar and Sister Letty. They're just so amazing uh, for allowing us to be here. Uh, but I do want to honor uh, the the pastors that are here. I know we honor above and, and, and above everyone here. We honor uh, Pastor Omar and Sister Letty. Amen. And so they are the, uh, the pastors of the church, of the house, uh, but he also has some amazing uh, pastors. You guys have some am- amazing pastors that I want to honor uh, in the house as well. Pastor Isaac, Pastor Liz, and also uh, Pastor Rob and, and Pastor Carly. Like, I just, I love them. I love them. They're always, uh, we're always talking, and every time uh, we get to talk, he's always juicing me up about the Israelites and about, uh, about all kinds of other theological things, and, and we, just, we just get gassed up a little bit about them. Uh, in fact, we were getting gassed up in the, before uh, church. We were in the office just talking and talking and talking away, and uh, he, was, uh, he was just kind of downloading some stuff into me and giving me the insight on a couple of things, but uh, that's my rabbi right there, Rabbi Rob. That's what I call him. Rabbi Rob, amen. And so I appreciate you guys. I honor you guys. Uh, I know it is uh, Pastor's Appreciation Month, amen. And so I honor you guys. I appreciate you guys for uh, continually, continually saying yes to the Lord every single day. Um, I'm privileged to call you guys friends and that we serve in the, in the kingdom of God together, amen. And so uh, church, I, I just want to, uh, again, I just want to take some time to honor that, but I, I, I want to say thank you to you guys. I love, I love, I love, I love the, the theme you guys are in uh, this month, Chambers, right? Do you guys have that, that graphic or anything like that? You guys can probably put up Chambers. Is that the name? This is the title, Chambers. It's amazing. I love everything about it. The, the, the sermons that, that are just being preached from this pulpit, they're just amazing. I love the fact that it has to deal with the heart. Amen? And I'll tell you why. Because a lot of us, we try to dismiss our heart. We try to dismiss everything that's going on inside because we love those feelings we get that come from there. And when those feelings go against what God tells you to do, I love everything about it. I love everything about this theme. I love how it just, it's constantly, uh, uh, it constantly tells us that we need to check and challenge our heart. In fact, scripture tells us that our heart 
Listen, listen. even your own heart can't be trusted. It says that it's deceitful and wicked. It's deceitful and wicked. Even your heart can't be trusted. But it also tells us in Proverbs 4.23, it says this, and I love this scripture. It says, man, look, above all else, above everything else you do, above all else, guard your heart. Guard your heart. It tells us you can't trust it. It's deceitful. It's wicked, but guard it. Guard that thing. Guard it. Why? Because everything we do flows from there. Listen, our thoughts, our minds, our emotions, our actions, our motives, our desires. In other words, there's a huge responsibility on our part to guard our hearts because what we allow to influence our hearts, we will see in our lives. And scripture gives us a lot of moments that we can, we can see how something so small can enter the heart but cause such massive destruction. And so this morning, I want to pray, and we're going to get into our word. Is that all right? Amen. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come before you, God. We thank you. We honor you. We love you. Lord, there's no greater name than the name of Jesus. And I pray right now, Lord, that you would help us, Father, to push every distraction aside, Lord, that we would give you our undivided, our fully devoted attention this morning, God. We want more of you and less of us. Holy Spirit, I pray right now that you would anoint my lips as I declare your word, Father. I pray, Lord, that you would allow people to hear the voice behind the voice. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. And so today I want to share with you about the life of King Saul. Anybody know a little something about King Saul? Come on, King Saul in here? Four people. Amen. Praise the Lord. Uh, We're going somewhere this morning. Amen. And so just very quickly, a background on King Saul. Daisy, I I just noticed you were back here. Daisy, thank you so much for playing. My goodness. Can we put our hands together for Daisy? Listen, Daisy, she has no idea. I I still don't think you have any idea how anointed she is. But uh, uh, she's just, she's very, very anointed. And uh, and, and so I thank you for uh, uh, ministering with me. Amen. Because that anointing is going to flow. If it don't flow from here, it's definitely going to flow from there. That, that's for sure. Amen. So just very quickly, uh, a quick background on how uh, uh, King Saul k- became king. Uh, just, I'm not going to spend a lot of time. There's just too much information uh, in, in just a, a number of scriptures. And so I'm going to try my best to speed through it. Uh, I don't have a spiritual ADD. I just move around a little bit. And, uh, and so if you see me over here and then all of a sudden over here, you blink, you'll probably miss me traveling back and forth. But um, uh, just a, a quick, quick update, a quick background on how this happened. Uh, Israel at this time is crying out, man. They're, they're crying out to the prophet Samuel, the great prophet Samuel. And they're telling them, they're looking around the, the nations around them. And they're, they're saying, listen, we want to be like the people around us. We want to be like everybody else. Why are we so different? We want a king. Everybody else has a king around us. That's what we want. We want a king. And they say this to him. Now make us a king to judge us like all the other nations. We want a king. And, and so if you follow the journey of the Israelites, what you'll see is a lot of this. But what, what happens is if you follow the journey of the Israelites, you'll find that this is the moment that I believe this. That when they said this to Samuel... And they begin to notice all the other nations and what they didn't, what they didn't have that looked like the other nations. When, when they came to this very moment, at this moment, they wanted to be someone that they were never, never meant to be. They moved at this very moment. This is what I believe. They moved from grace to government. And this is what I want to say about this. They, they wanted to be like the other nations, but they weren't meant to be like anybody else. They were to be set as a light among the world to show forth and shine forth the glory of God. But they saw the rest of the world and they wanted to be like them. And so Saul, we know, 
fast forwarding now, ended up being their king. And we're not going to get into that. But this is what the Bible says about Saul in 1 Samuel chapter 9, verse 2. It says that his son, Saul, was the most handsome man in Israel. Head and shoulders taller than anyone else in the land. In our, in our church this morning, it's like if you see Pastor Isaac just walking by. He's just head and shoulders taller than everybody else. He's the most handsome man in the, in the house. See, Saul, Saul was the man. Saul was the man. He came from a good, wealthy family. He was a very popular guy. He was a good-looking dude. He was tall, handsome. He had everything going. People were drawn to him because he resembled or he looked. He had the look of a good king. And so people were drawn to him. Saul had everything going for him. In fact, he not only came out the gates running, he came out the gates winning. He was victorious. He was popular. He was, he was, he was humble when he first started. He was what we call on fire. Ever heard that term, on fire? He was what we call on, on fire. And that's how most of us are when we give our lives to the Lord. When we make the decision to invite Jesus into our hearts, we surrender to his will, we, we accept the finished work of, of Jesus on the cross. We start off great. Things start to change a little. But then comes trials and testing, and we don't like those. We don't like those trials and those testings, but they're necessary for our faith to grow. Amen? James chapter 1, verse 2, it says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come our way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. I know, I know you're looking at that, you're like, what the heck kind of scripture is that? Why? <laughs> Who considers trials and, and things like that a joy, right? 1 Peter 1, 7 says, There is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show you, will show you, uh, or will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests, uh, as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. See, trials, trials are not only meant to strengthen us, to grow us, to mold us, but they also reveal to you whether your commitment to Jesus is sincere or not. And it'll show you what you say. It'll show you that if what you say is matching up with what you do. Now for King Saul, now for King Saul, he encounters a trial, but this trial has a name. The first trial he encounters is King Nahash of the Amorites in 1 Samuel chapter 11. And I'm going to try to speed through this as best as I can because I know I'll have just limited time for this morning. But King Nahash in verse uh, 1 and 3 of chapter 11, 1 Samuel says, King Nahash of uh, Ammon uh, led his army against the Israelites' town of Gilead. But all the citizens of Jabesh asked for peace. And this is what they told this king. Make, make a treaty with us and we'll be your servants, they pleaded. Verse 2 says, all right, Nahash said, but on one condition, I will gouge out your right eye for every one of you, uh, of every one of you, as a disgrace to all Israel. And this is what's so audacious about what hap what's happening here. Look at verse 3. It says this, give us seven days to send messengers throughout Israel, replied the elders of Jabesh. If no one comes to save us, we will agree to your terms. They actually considered this. They're like, that might, not be, that might not be a bad idea. One eye for my life. That might not be so bad. They were under this threat. And at this time, King Saul was, was the king. 
And so he's in his home, and someone comes to him, and they run to him, and they give him this message. They say, Saul, Saul, did you hear what that King Nahas has placed on your people? Did you hear what he said? This fool said, if you want to have peace, that you, I'm going to have to gouge out your right eye, and, and, and so you can show that you're a disgrace to all Israel. And so Saul was fired up. He was excited. And he sent backward to the neighborhood. So he calls all the, all the soldiers, all the ones that actually put in work, not the ones that just talk about it. Right? <laughs> you guys know who they are. That was probably you at one point. <laughs> so he calls, he calls the neighbor, he gets together this massive army. And, uh, and he does what he does. He goes out there and he, he tells them, as he's gathering, he tells them, hey, listen, go back and tell them, don't you do a thing. Don't go anywhere. Don't do anything because help is on the way. And so he gathers all this big army and, and it's about to get real. And he gets uh, all of them together. He gets on the scene. He wipes that King Nahash and the army out just like that done. Then, the, then Samuel tells the Israelites in 1 Samuel chapter 12. And, and I'm skipping through a lot of stuff here, guys. It's 1 Samuel chapter 12, verse 13 and 15. He says, all right, here's the king you have chosen. You asked for him, and the Lord has granted your request. Now, if you fear the Lord and worship the Lord and listen to his voice, you know, that's what I love about the word of God. You know what I love about the word of God is that word if. Is that word if. Because that means this. Whatever follows is the blessing but the condition or, 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 or who obtains it is up to you. If you want that, that's why the word if is in there. And it says, if you fear the Lord and worship the Lord and listen to his voice, and if you do not rebel against the Lord's command, then, here's the promise, then both you and your king will show that you recognize the Lord as your God. See, both the people and the king were given the same command. And that standard was the same, just like it is for every single person, whether you're in ministry or not. That's to obey the commands of the Lord. Verse 15 says, but, however, it's another word I like in the word of God. However, if you rebel against the Lord's command and refuse to listen to him, then his hand will be as heavy upon you as it was upon your ancestors. You see, this is the same choice that you and I have in life through scripture We've been given a way that we ought to live, the way we got to do life, how we got to rely more on our faith than our feelings, how we got to respond more than react to things. And God says this, if you do life this way, if you do life this way, you'll be all right. Life is going to be great. Things are going to go well for you. However, if you don't do life this way and you decide to do life your way, your life isn't going to end up so great. See, I believe that many of us have experienced, if not all of us, the blessings from doing life God's way. And I also believe that a lot of us have also experienced the consequences of doing life our way. Let me give you a quick example of what I'm talking about. Have you ever said something that you regretted saying? Come on, anybody here with me? Am I the only one? Thank you. Okay, more people raise your hand than they know about King Saul in here. That's all right. Listen. We regret saying things sometimes. We say things and we're like, oh, why did I just say that? Maybe you said something that you had no business saying as a believer. Come on, I'm not in Pedro no more. Amen. You know that God has called us to be peacemakers. Can I get an amen? To make every effort to keep the peace. 
and to use our words to edify and build people up. But somehow you ended up having a bad slip. Anybody with me? You have what we call diarrhea of the mouth. (laughs) And you probably said something you shouldn't have said. Maybe it was to your parents, to a friend, to a sibling, possibly even to your spouse. And the consequences affected that relationship, even possibly ruined that friendship. And, and so King Saul, listen, he starts off great, victorious. He was doing what the Lord said to do. In other words, he was following the commands of the Lord. But then he decides to do what many of us do sometimes. He decides to do things his way, and his life begins to spiral down fast. And he had this incredible potential, but he disobeyed God repeatedly. And what we see in King Saul is that slowly, everyone say slowly, because that's how it happened. Slowly, pride began to creep into his heart, which caused paranoia and jealousy and security to consume him. And ultimately, he lost it all because he decided to do things his way instead of God's way. So let me show you a few moments in his life this morning, and then we'll pray. Is that all right? Amen? Turn to somebody and ask him, are you ready? Amen. If I have you talking a lot, it's because that's just how, what I do in my church. I just ask people questions, except my church has gotten to the place where they start having conversations back with me. I'm like, no, this is not the time for that. I need to preach this message, and we'll talk after church. But if I say amen, you hear some, just respond back to me. Let me know you're awake, all right? Is that all right? Amen? Amen. So 1 Samuel chapter 13, what we begin to see in the, in this, in the life of King Saul is that King Saul started thinking of himself. He, he had this, he had this, he was high-minded of himself, of his own worth, and, 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 and it led him to serve God his way, on his terms, when and how to serve him. How many have ever been there with him? Right? You begin to, your, your head begins to inflate and the ceiling isn't tall enough anymore. And you begin to say, you know what, God, your plan is good, but let me tweak your plan to make it better. And so 1 Samuel chapter 13, we see the Israelites are up against their greatest rival again, the Philistines. And Saul has instructions to wait. Everyone say wait. Ooh, some of us just cussed in church right now. It says wait. Wait for the prophet Samuel so the Lord, uh, so the Lord can tell him what to do and, and offer the sacrifice there. And, so 1 Samuel chapter 13, verse 8. We'll start at verse 8. Samuel waited there seven days for Samuel. Saul waited there seven days for Samuel. And as Samuel had instructed him earlier, but Samuel still didn't come. Seven days he's waiting. Saul realized that his troops were rapidly, rapidly slipping away. So he demanded, bring me the burnt offering and the peace offerings. And Saul sacrificed the burnt offering himself. You see, Scripture here, just, for, just pausing here, Scripture's telling us that Samuel told Saul to wait. He had instructions, don't you do anything until I get there because that job of offering the sacrifices is not up to you. It's the prophet's job. And so Saul was so impatient and he's looking around at this situation and Scripture says that his army, his men, was slipping away. They were, their morale was, was dropping. And so, so instead of waiting, after seven days, the prophet Samuel hadn't arrived. And the Philistines were all, they were just disposed to go to war all around them. And, and, and the people were panicking and everything was diminishing and they were scared. And Saul grew more and more impatient as day and day went by. So pridefully, 
he decided to make the offering to gain God's blessing himself. And Saul, he wanted to act on his terms rather than obedience to the Lord. Pride, how many can agree, is extremely dangerous. Pride is extremely dangerous. Pride, in a simple definition of it, is defined as to be lifted up, to be high-minded, to indulge in self-esteem or self-confidence, or to glorify in self-achievement. We know that it was pride that caused the fall of, uh, of Satan from heaven because he was lifted up in his own opinion. He became high-minded. He overvalued and overestimated his own worth. And when you compare that to God, there really is no comparison. You know, pride is so unique because oftentimes it's hard to spot. It may even go unnoticed for years. And we begin to dismiss pride with a statement like, that's just how I am. I've always been like this. I read that pride is a stealth sin. If you have it, you probably don't know it. It does all kinds of damages in your life. Listen, pride, when it enters your heart, it begins to, it, it begins to ruin and hurt relationships. It breaks up marriages. It destroys friendships. People keep, uh, pride keeps people from getting right with God. And sometimes pride causes uh, people to think that they are right with God when they're really not. Listen, pride is so crafty. Pride is so crafty. It, it finds its way into your heart. And it's so subtle and often so unnoticeable at times that it begins to grow inside of you. It's not like pride just shows up on your doorstep and says, hey, this is me. It comes into your heart and begins to grow so slowly and often unnoticeable. It begins to grow, but it has a way of bleeding out of, of us in ways we don't even recognize. And that's what we can see happening in the life of King Saul here. He disobeyed God and offered the sacrifice himself, basically making himself a prophet. See, offerings of a sacrifice was the duty of a prophet, not the king. But his impatience his impatience in waiting. Anybody ever get impatient waiting? His impatience in the waiting caused him to think, I'm the king. I'm the king. I tell people what to do. Why am I going to wait for someone to tell me what to do? You know what? Bring me the offerings. I'm going to make this happen. I'm not waiting for someone else so that I can make a move. I'm going to tell people when to go. And this is the deception of pride. Pride causes a person to be overly confident in their own ability that they work independent of people, especially independent of God, even when the works appear to be for the Lord. Listen, as a pastor, over the years, what, what often, even, even, even just being in church, some of the common things that I'll hear is people say, I don't have to wait for someone to give me the green light to do something for the Lord. I'm, I'm not doing anything bad. I'm doing this because God wants me to. I'm not going to wait. I, I love hearing this one. I'm not going to wait for my pastors to reply back to me for me to do something for God. Listen, there are times, and I just want to make this clear to all of us, there are times when people that you've allowed to speak into your life will tell you to wait. They'll tell you to wait. And even, even they'll even pump your brakes a little bit. And they'll tell you what you're, what you're doing or what you're thinking about doing is not necessarily the best of ideas right now. 
Not because they're trying to control your life. But it's, it's because they see something that you can't see. Or maybe they see something that you don't want to see right now. And you're very blind to that moment. And they might, there might be something that you haven't thought all the way through. And I thank God that I had people around me to speak wisdom in my life. I thank God that I had, I've been surrounded by people growing up in this church. I was surrounded by people, whether they were in ministry or not. They were just speaking wisdom and they were speaking confidence and they were speaking life into me. When I wanted to think foolish, people were there to tell me what I needed to hear, not what I wanted to hear. In particular, I'm thankful for my, for my pastors that spoke life into me. See, Pastor Omar and Sister Letty, they're not, they're not my pastors by title. They're my pastors by permission. And this is what I mean. I mean that, that I've, I've allowed them. I've allowed them in my life. I've allowed them to point things out in my life that I may not want to see. I've allowed them to correct me to guide me, to help steer my life into the things of God because there were times that I, listen, <laughs> there are times that I wanted to do what I wanted to do. But they pumped my brakes. And Pastor Omar would challenge me. He challenged my thinking. I didn't always like his answers because they didn't match up with what I wanted to do. But I'm grateful for all the wisdom and especially the spiritual correction that he brought into my life because it truly has helped me in what I get to do today. See, the danger comes, the danger comes when we want to move for God instead of with God. What I mean to say is that when you're, is that your impatience, your impatience has the potential. Everyone say potential. Your impatience has the potential to make a mess of your life. In verse 10, just, it says it's just a saw was finishing, <laughs> man, this is so crazy. How many know, listen, when, when you get impatient and you begin to act on your own and you begin to do things on your own, that's when God shows up and he looks at you and he's like, what are you doing? What are you doing? I told you I was going to be here. But you got impatient and you're making a mess of things, a mess of your life. And so verse 10 says, just as Saul was finishing with the burnt offering, Saul, Samuel arrives. Just as he's wrapping things up, he arrives. Saul went out to meet him and welcome him. He goes out there, probably pretending to be all fake and everything. Oh, Samuel, I knew, oh man, you made it, man. Come over here, give me a hug. I'm not going to tell you to point fake people out, okay, guys? Give him some big hug. But Samuel, he, he looks past all that. And he says this, what is this you have done? See, when Samuel confronts Saul about his disobedience, Saul's pride lead, uh, it leaps into action to cover up the real issue. And so Saul replied this when Samuel checks him and he's like, what, 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 what is this that you've done? Saul's reply real fast was, when I saw the men were scattering and you didn't come at the set time and the Philistines were assembling, I thought, how many know your thoughts can get you in trouble too? I thought... I thought now the Philistines will come down against us, uh, against me at Gilgal, and I have uh, not sought the Lord's favor. So I felt compelled to offer the burnt offering. Man, that sounds familiar, doesn't it? So many times the decisions we make in life lead to hurt, to pain, and big messes because we get impatient waiting on the Lord. 
In fact, one of the greatest temptations that a true Christian is going to face in life is getting ahead of God. It's taking things into our own hands when it appears that God's not working fast enough. You see, as Saul's waiting, he looked at the situation that he was in. He looks around and he looks day by day and he sees what's happening around him. He looks at the obstacles, the situations, the things that you're experiencing in life. He's looking at all that. And it all, through his eyes and through your eyes, when all you focus on is the situations happening around you, everything seems hopeless. And Saul's looking around. Through his eyes, everything seemed hopeless. And an impatient spirit slowly began to overwhelm him. Logic told him this. It was getting too late. Something needs to be done. And Saul really believed. He was convinced he was convinced inside of himself that things were spinning out of control have you ever looked at your situations and the things you're going through and you convince yourself that things are just spiraling out of control have you ever looked at a situation in your life maybe it was a dark moment in your life and you're looking to God and you're looking at your situation and you focus more on the problems and you, you, you convince yourself that things are going out of control. See, Saul really believed this. And this is pride welting up inside of him. The need to be in control of the situation. See, to be transparent with us this morning, this is an area where the Lord did and is still constantly showing me in my life. I think I've come a long way, right, hon? I hope. But I still got some work to do. But I remember being in a place where I just couldn't stand. I couldn't stand this, guys. I couldn't stand not being in control of situations. I couldn't stand it. Not that I wanted to be the boss everywhere I went. Not that I wanted to be dominant over others. It's just that I didn't like the sense of helplessness and dependency. And God had to constantly remind me. And he kept asking me. He kept telling me. And really poking him out. He's like, whose trust is it? Uh, who, who do you really trust in right now? Who do you really trust in? And I would tell him, Lord, you know this. My trust is in you. And he would look at my heart. And he would tell me, well, your, your words sound great. But deep in the chambers of your heart, it, will re it reveals the truth. Deep in the chambers of your heart, I can see the truth. How many, of a, how many have ever been there with me? Come on. See, Saul waited for seven days. But that wait was unholy. Because he was impatient. He was angry. He was fearful. He was pouting. He failed to keep the commandment God had given him through, through Samuel. And so as soon as Saul was putting the finishing touches on he shows up. And Saul, he hides his decision by, by pretending that nothing's wrong. Have you ever messed up and then pretended like you didn't? Right? You made a mistake. You knew it. You knew it. But then you act like you didn't. You act like nothing's wrong. This is Saul right here. This is Saul. Here's the problem that we all experience in life. Is that when you begin to make... I need everyone to listen, listen. When you begin to make decisions in your life without praying and listening to the Holy Spirit, 
without seeking guidance and wisdom, when you begin to live your life your way instead of God's way, what you'll find is that you'll begin to justify and even minimize sin in your life. See, he was told to wait for Samuel before offering the sacrifices to God and, and initiating this battle with, with this Philistine. He didn't listen and he bulldozes his way impatiently. Verse 13 says, you, done, you did a foolish thing, Samuel said to Saul. You did a foolish thing. You didn't follow the commands of the Lord your God. If you had, the Lord would have, would have established, if you did, there goes that word if, if you had, the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel permanently. Permanently. See, Saul wanted to act on his terms rather than obedience to God. He didn't yet realize what some of us haven't realized yet in life. Is that our intimacy, listen to me, our intimacy and our obedience to the Lord determines the impact of our lives. Verse 14 says, but now your kingdom will not last. Because you've done this, now your kingdom will not last. The Lord has searched for a man after his own heart. Who is he talking about? King David. The Lord had appointed him as ruler of his people because you didn't follow the command of the Lord. Although Saul would remain on, on his throne for a little bit, his descendants would not carry his dynasty. A man after, his own, after God's own heart is God's description of David, which Saul deals with later in life. Even though Saul eventually wins this battle, even though Saul eventually bulldozes and wins this battle, he, he did it on his own terms instead of God's. This is something that he never seemed to grasp in life. His, his ignorance gets even greater in 1 Samuel chapter 15. This is another moment that we see in, in Saul's life. When God commands Saul to go and fight the Amalekites, which is a nation that tried to wipe the Israelites out a long time ago when they escaped from Egypt, God tells him to completely destroy every people, all the people, and everything that's associated with them. I want nothing connected to them. Nothing connected to them. And Saul shows up, does what he does, wipes them out. But instead of, of obeying God's command completely, listen to what he does in 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 8 and 9. He captured Agag, the Amalekite king, but completely destroyed everyone else. Saul and his men spared Agag, Agag's life and kept the best of the sheep and goats, the cattle, the fatted calves and the lambs, everything, in fact, that appealed to them. They destroyed only what was worthless or of poor quality see when you begin to allow sin into the chambers of your heart it will make you stubborn hard-headed i know some of us are just waiting to turn to somebody and be like okay that's the reason <laughs> it'll make you hard-hearted when you allow sin to enter the chambers of your heart which leads to spiritual blindness. And what you'll begin to do when you allow sin into the chambers of your heart is you'll begin to compromise, to pick and choose which of the Lord's commands you want to obey and which ones you don't. God tells us to obey his commands, all of them, all of them. Not just the ones that you like, not just the ones that you feel are suitable for the occasion, not just the ones that, 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 that are comfortable but all of them. Verse 10 says, the Lord spoke to Samuel 
Verse 11, it says this, I regret that I made king or that I made Saul king. He turned away from me and didn't, didn't carry out my instructions. And jump down to verse 19 for just for the sake of time. He says, why did you not obey the Lord? Why did you pronounce or, or why did you, I'm sorry, why did you pounce on the plunder and do evil in the sight of the Lord or in the eyes of the Lord? See, he justified his stubbornness as a form of obedience. He says, I did. I did do what he said. And he told me to go in there and kill everybody. He tried to, we've seen this before in Saul, didn't we? We saw that he would make mistakes and then act like he didn't. We've seen that in the, the life of King Saul, that he would often want to do life and things his way and mask it as obedience. Well, well technically, I kind of did. How many ever use that word in Christianity? Technically. I, I technically did. And he begins to hide and act like, like he obeyed completely. We've seen this before, and it's almost like a pattern at this point. I mean, you would think that you wouldn't repeat the same mistake, especially to the same person again, right? See, when you're always focused on only treating the symptoms, you'll never fix the problem. Things like fault-finding in people. How many are pros at that? <laughs> things like arrogance and things like being critical, thinking you're better than others, excessive concern of how others perceive you, even defensive. Listen, these things, things like this, they can be seen almost like branches on a tree. And, we, and, and because the branches are usually the only things that people deal with, when we cut the branches... It's deceiving to think that we've conquered it. It's easy to deal with the behavior or to cut off the symptoms, but the tree still stands. And in order, in order to stop it from growing, you got to identify and remove the roots of the tree. And you can't do this on your own. You need the help of the Lord. And Samuel confronts Saul, and he goes right to the, the root of the problem. And this is what Saul says to Samuel in 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 24. He says, you know what? At this point, his pride can't cover him anymore. And he says, you know what? I have sinned. You're right. I violated the Lord's command and your instructions. And this is his response. I was afraid of the men, so I gave in. In other words... What he's thinking is he says something like this that we say sometimes, I'll manipulate the situation because I'm more concerned that people can see my flaws and think negatively about me. Saul was attempting to win the approval of men as a remedy for the insignificance that he felt inside. See, fear of failure or a need for public uh, approval or being humiliated, it plagued him. His greatest fear was that he would look bad in people's eyes. See, he was more concerned with looking good to his people than repenting of his sin. And that's what pride does in our lives. Pride, it thrives off constant attention. The need to be affirmed and to be praised for what we look like or who we are or what we have done in our life. This is dangerous because you'll make it all about yourself. You'll begin to find your value and your worth in what others say instead of finding your identity in who God says you are. But pride may look different for some. Pride may look different for some. 
Maybe it sounds like shameless boasting about ourselves. Maybe it's, it's being unable to say no to anyone because you need to be needed. Maybe it looks like obsessively uh, thirsting for marriage or fantasizing about a better marriage because you're hungry to be adored. Maybe it looks like being honored uh, uh, or, or it looks like being hounded by your desires for a richer car or a better car, right? The right car, the right house, the right title at work, even the right title at church. All because you seek the glory that comes from men and not from God. See, pride is rooted in deep insecurity, in fear, unworthiness. Pride is often, listen, prideful people often feel overlooked, insecure, powerless, and unloved. So what what pride does, what prideful people do, is they put on this false mask of perfection, of confidence, and engages in attention-seeking behaviors. So Saul recognized fear as his problem, but unfortunately, he did nothing about it. Unfortunately, he did nothing about it. And eventually, what we'll see in the life of Saul, King Saul, is that it grew worse. Now David comes on the scene. He's anointed to be the next king. He fights. Goliath kills him marries King Saul's daughter, becomes best friend with King Saul's son, Jonathan, is loved and adored by the people. They actually sing songs about King David. And now King Saul, because he never addressed the root of the problem, he was always treating the symptoms like we do sometimes. He's never addressing the root of the problem. It grew and it grew and he became insecure. He became jealous. It it consumed him. And now he looks at David, the one that's anointed, the anointing that he should have been promoting, he started attacking. He went and he started trying to kill. He spent the rest of his life. He spent the rest of his life trying to destroy what God was promoting. And this is what pride does. This is what pride does. When pride enters your heart, it comes in and often unnoticed. And it's so sneaky and, 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 and it's nasty. But it begins to grow and it begins to bleed out of us in ways that we won't even realize. He was so full of pride that he became blinded spiritually. So I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet with me as we get ready to close our service this morning. Listen, here, are, maybe, maybe you've dealt with pride in your heart. Maybe you're dealing with pride now. And you might not even be aware of it. Here are a few indicators that I found that will, will be really helpful for us. Indicators of a prideful heart that you can watch out for. Maybe you deal with low self-esteem. Listen, pride and arrogance are masks that we wear to hide our struggle with self-hate, with shame, with unworthiness, with guilt, inadequacy. See, these masks, they're used to put on a, a perfect persona to the world. The goal is to convince everyone that you're perfect and you're, you're doing better than others. But underneath that mask, underneath that mask, I bet you're dying inside. Maybe you deal with insecurity. You have a a delicate ego. 
that is easily hurt, easily offended, easily triggered. You seek to hide your, your, your sensitivities from the world and, and radiate this confidence and toughness. Maybe it's self-righteous. A belief that you are better than others and have been blessed because you're special and you worked hard at it. Maybe you deal with, with something like controlling. Trying to control life, uh, the actions of others, the situation means that you think more, you're more capable than God. Maybe you're a people pleaser. Doing things so that others or God will love you or admire you more. You've given the impression that you're worthy and amazing to others. Or maybe you're just judgmental or rebellious. These are forms of pride. These are indicators that pride might be creeping in your life. See, pride, at the very core of its definition, it's self-centeredness. And pride is something that the Lord will not tolerate. Because it prevents us from submitting to his purpose for our lives. It renders us ineffective for the kingdom of God. Listen, when we commit ourselves to doing things our way, what we're actually doing is rejecting his way. And when we seek to take his glory for ourselves, we're really saying things like this. Look what I have done. Look at my life. I've amounted to this. My, my accolades, the, the suffixes and prefixes on my names. Listen, I did that. I did that. My house, my family, my job, I did that. Listen, God keeps the proud far from him. So if you truly desire to be close to God, you better give up that pride in your life. And I want to close with this illustration as you bow your head and close your eyes. Listen, one guy said one time, he, he said this, I asked God to take away my pride. And God said, no. God said, no. He says, I didn't understand. Then God said, pride is not something I need to take away from you. It's something you, you're supposed to give up. It's something you're supposed to give up. Because if you have pride, you have to surrender it to the Lord. You got to surrender it. And that decision, that choice is yours this morning. With every head bowed, every eye closed. With no one looking around. Because of pride, because of pride, we often get in the way of what God wants to do through us. We can miss the moments of healing and blessing. At times, we notice it, and sometimes it's hard to spot in our lives. It begins to grow inside of you. It has a way of bleeding out in ways that we don't even recognize. This is why we need to ask God for help. But this is our prayer this morning, is that God will search our hearts. Because pride is so sneaky and often so uh, go, it goes unnoticed, we need the help of God to illuminate our hearts, every chamber of our lives, of our heart, and say, God, search my heart. And so this is our prayer this morning. One of my favorite scriptures in the world. Look, and, and listen, uh, Psalm 139, verse 23 and 24. It says, search me, O God. Search me, O God. And know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you. And lead me along the path of everlasting life. Listen, I don't know about you. But I don't want anything to stand between me and what God wants to do in me and through me and around me. And if the Lord is speaking to you about a certain area in your life, I'm going to open up this altar. I want you to come. I want you to come. I want you to pray. We want to pray with you this morning. Maybe your prayer is this as you, as you walk out of your seat. Maybe this is your prayer. Lord, I don't want to get in the way of what you're doing in my life. At times, my pride might creep in. 
and I've seen the mess I can make because of it. I don't want my pride to cause me to miss a blessing or ruin me. But Lord, I surrender it to you this morning. Create in me, create in me a clean heart, oh God, and renew a right spirit within me. Maybe that's our prayer this morning. Come on, with every head bowed, every eye closed, if that's you, and the Holy Spirit was ministering to you in the message, I want you to get out your seat and respond. Come on, I know Pastor Mike said something so amazing that just rocked me to my core. He said, don't make the altar a place of request. Make it a place of response. And that's what we're doing to the Holy Spirit. We're responding to the call and the tugging of the Holy Spirit this morning. And so if he's ministering to you, get out your seat. Just open up your heart. Lift your hand. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, every hand that went up, every heart that is open to you, I pray right now, God, that you just begin to open those those chambers, Father, that you would begin to illuminate into their hearts, God. Point out anything inside of us, Lord, that offends you, that goes against your word, Lord. If If it displeases you, God, we want it gone. We surrender it to you this morning, God. Lord, we deal with all kinds of forms of pride. We deal with insecurity, God. We deal with fault-finding in people, God. We deal with with, with self-centeredness and stubbornness, God. And Lord, I pray whatever it is that we deal with, Lord, if it's noticeable, Father, we surrender to you. But Lord, even the things that aren't noticeable right now, would you search our heart, oh Lord? Would you search our heart, oh Lord? And point out anything that offends you, Jesus. Point out anything that offends you this morning. Thanks so much for listening to this message from Reach Church Paramount. To stay connected with us, follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Reach Paramount. To give and support this podcast and ministry, visit our website at reachparamount.com slash give.